beyond a shadow of a doubt that every single one of us, for literally from birth, from the time you began to conceptualize the world around you, you, you knew that you were supposed to do something really great or significant, to have something really great or significant. Somebody shout, I always knew I, always I was knew. destined for greatness. And then by virtue of exposure, you started systematically limiting what you could do. Come on, somebody. Somebody transposed their fears onto your life. Somebody who didn't dream felt obligated to make sure you wouldn't either. And then what you're left with what many of us are left as is a, a shell of what we could have become. And here's why. Because your imagination is not intact. Oh my God, help me. Now, I want you to understand something. We talk about faith, right? Faith is believing that things are as God says they are. You know, in order to do that, you have to have a vivid imagination. So really the reason that the enemy targeted and stole your imagination is because he knew, watch it now, he knew that if your imagination and faith came into contact, those will be two witnesses that will manifest great things in the earth. Y'all got that? I need you to tell two people it's time for you to start dreaming again. Come on, tell somebody else it's time for you to take the limits off. Come on, tell somebody, it's time for you to shake your limited thinking. Because somebody raised you with a barely enough, not enough, not enough and can't have a mentality, but somebody shout, my imagination is coming back into divine alignment with the will of God. Tell somebody, God needs your imagination intact. All right, let me jump into this. Whenever Satan wants to actualize his plan for your life, he needs, tell me, he needs your imagination. So watch what he does. He, he starts telling lies and making suggestions. Every lie the enemy tells you is meant to make you imagine something. And it doesn't happen because the enemy planted the seed. It happened because he got hold of your imagination. Tell somebody, in order to get his plan done, Satan has to have your imagination. Why? Because your imagination becomes the seedbed that somebody's intentions are sown into. So what is fear other than a satanic attempt to hijack a perfectly good imagination? Think about all the worlds you have created afraid. Y'all created enemies that didn't exist through fear. You broke up relationships that were perfectly good through fear. You, you canceled subscriptions to greatness through fear. Oh, come on, somebody. You quit on things you said that you know you were supposed to do with your life because of fear. You refused to step out. You refuse to step out when you know God opened the door through fear. Now what happened? Satan got a hold of your imagination. He planted fear in order to birth it in your to birth his plan through your imagination. Tell me the devil needs your imagination to get his will done. So whenever Satan wants to actualize a demonic plan, he's got to get a hold of your imagination. 
He does through he does so through fears. Fear through lies and suggestions. Now here's the adverse part of this. Whenever God wants to actualize his purpose for your life, he needs your imagination. So you know what spiritual warfare is really all about? Who is going to govern your imagination? Some of the greatest spiritual warfare ever fought is over your imagination. Somebody is trying to get you to agree and to incubate their ideas for your life. Y'all got that? Because the human imagination is the incubator for spiritual realities to be made manifest in the earth. Y'all got that? Whether good or evil. Does that make sense to you? Number one, the imagination. If you're taking notes, our title is Precious Imagination. Tell my guard your precious imagination. Your imagination is a creative faculty. Think about this. The Bible says in Genesis 1 that God made man in his what? In his image and in his what? Likeness. Somebody shout, I'm made in God's image. Now, isn't God a creator? But everything he created comes out of him. And it comes out, watch it now. It comes to his mind, it comes out his words. Y'all got that? In everything God said, he has to first conceive within himself. Y'all got that? Yeah. Now the same way, that's, tell somebody that's exactly how you work. So watch this now. So, so the imagination is a creative faculty. Everything that has been created, number two, by man originates in the imagination. Think about that. I'm speaking through a microphone tonight. You know, somebody imagined a device that somebody could speak into and amplify their voice. Yeah. Oh my God. Somebody imagined a device that would do so. Now it has been manifest in the natural world, but it had to first start in the spirit and it had to get a hold of someone's what? Imagination. So the imagination, write this down, is neither good nor evil. My God, help me. Imagination itself as a faculty, as a capacity, is neither good nor evil. What makes your imagination good or evil is who you allow to seed into it. Y'all did not hear what I just said. So the imagination must be seeded into in order to birth realities. Now, once your imagination becomes impregnated, then it's bound to produce the idea that was conceived. Y'all got that, believers? That's why in Mark chapter 4, we're not going to go there. Our scriptures come from Genesis 15. But I'm just giving you some scripture here. In Mark 4, you can write these down, 14 through 20, Jesus gave the parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower? Now here's what I want you to notice about that though. All information comes with an agenda. And we see that in the parable. He said the, par the, the, the sower sows the word in good ground. He sows it among thorny ground. Somebody shout, he has, it, he has an intention. He has an agenda. Now, the Bible said that in the good ground, it brought forth 30, 60, 100. That means that somebody shout, there was a harvest in mind. The, my God, the sower sold the word because he had a harvest in mind. So if your imagination is a seedbed, that means that you have to be intentional about what you allow to be sown into your imagination. Y'all hear what I just said. Somebody shout, words are seeds. And the condition of my ground dictates the outcome. Y'all got that, believers? Now, let's talk about this. We're going to Genesis 15 now, if you would. 
Somebody shout backdrop for the miraculous. So before we get to Genesis 15, I'm really not going to be before you long, all right? But before we get to Genesis 15, I want to give you the backdrop here to the miraculous. God wants to birth a nation of purpose. Why? Because he wants to bring forth his son. Y'all do realize the, the, the selection of the Jewish nation, the Jewish nation and the careful chronology of that nation all the way to the Christ was on purpose. Why? Because God wanted to make it clear when he came, this is the one. But the reason that God, watch it now, the reason that God wants to birth a nation of purpose is because he wants to bring his son through that nation. Somebody shout backdrop. So God, watch it now. God also wants to be glorified through the entire process. Now watch this now. So what does God do? God wants to birth the nation. Somebody shout purpose. God wants to bring forth his son. Y'all got that? But God also wants to be glorified in the entire process. So watch what God does. God chooses a man and woman who can possibly do it. Oh. God chooses a man and woman who cannot possibly do it. I'm going to back up. God has a purpose. Say a purpose. He wants to birth the nation to bring forth his son. He wants to be glorified in the entire process. So God, God chooses someone who they know they can't do it. He know they can't. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Look at somebody tell them, being the wrong one makes you the right one. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. I need to tell two people, being the wrong one makes you exactly who God chooses to do something really crazy through. And if anybody in the room that always knew that you weren't the least likely to be doing what it is that you're doing right now, tell somebody, being the wrong one is what makes you the wrong one. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Why? Because somebody shout, there's no possibility that I'm going to steal God's glory. Why? Because everybody knows what I want. Where I came from don't add up to where I am. Oh, come on. Tell, if, tell the truth. Tell somebody where I came from don't add up to where I am right now. Tell somebody, honey, if you knew where I came from, you'd be shouting for me in the aisles right now. If you knew how broken I was and what God has brought me to from brokenness, why? God intentionally chose what shouldn't work. You being the wrong one is exactly what makes you right for God's plan. <sighs> you being the wrong one is exactly what makes you right for God's plan. Y'all got that? Now, if you keep focusing on being the wrong one, you'll never be right for God's plan. Be tell somebody, God's got to get your imagination about who you are. God has to get your imagination about who you are. Y'all got that? All right. So look at Genesis 15, and then we're going to see it in the text. We're going to see it in our lives. We're going to shout about it, and we're going to go home. Genesis 15, 1. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Say Abram. Abram. Now, he's not Abraham yet. Now, here's why. Because in, in order to become Abraham, he ha God has to make that change. Somebody shout, God has to make that change. See, Abram is what he became through biology. Abraham is what he became through the spiritual order. So when God changes the spiritual order of a thing, tell my then you can produce. Y'all hear what I just said? So the Bible says that after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Y'all got that in a vision. 
So there was a spiritual encounter while he was conscious. Y'all got that? Watch what the Lord said. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Now, somebody shall fear not. So now watch the first thing God has to do in order to move you into a posture to birth the impossible. Somebody shout, I'm walking big now. In order to put you in a position to birth the impossible, one of the first thing God has to do is get the fear out of the equation of your life. Why? Because God said, if I'm going to birth my dream for your life, we got to deal with what the devil did to you before I got to you to give you my dream for your life. Tell somebody, fear not. Watch it now. Fear is the evidence that you got the devil's seed still in your imagination. Fear is the evidence that you still have a satanic seed lodged in your imagination. Tell two people, shake it out, shake it out. Fear is the evidence that you still have a demonic seed or a demonic narrative lodged in your imagination. Y'all got that? Because if you got any trace of fear, then the enemy has all he needs in order to frustrate another season of your life. Somebody shout, I will fear no evil. So watch what God says. Before God gets into the Abraham segment of Abram's life, tell somebody you got another six segment of your life coming up. Tell somebody God's about to add to your name. Come on, tell somebody God's about to add to your name. See, and I don't care where you came from. When God steps in and adds to your name, then you start producing out of God's addition what you could have never done in your own strength. Somebody shout, God, add to my name. But God said, before I can add to your name, I've got to go through your soul and sweep your soul of everything the enemy imagined planted in your, the enemy's words planted in your imagination. Fear not. So all fear must be removed from the equation where the will of God is to be birthed. Somebody shout, all fear must go. Watch verse 2. He said, but watch it, but Abraham says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? My God, help me. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Y'all see that? Now I want you to notice something here that Abraham did and many of you have done. Abraham had already given up all possibility of bearing children. Yeah. Somebody shout, that's the perfect condition for the move of God. Wow. Come on, ask somebody, are you through yet? Come on, ask somebody, are you through yet? Come on, ask somebody, are you through yet? Because when you have finally given up of your own ability to produce it, that's exactly when the circumstances of your life are conducive for the move of God. You got to get to a place where you know it can't happen. Somebody shout, what I'm called to do couldn't possibly happen from my bank account. Sit down now, somebody grandparent now. I can y'all can you work me like this? 
somebody, grandparent now. But, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me because I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? Somebody said, not. So notice Abraham had given up all possibility of bearing children. The perfect conditions for the move of God. So watch what God does. God wants to do this through Abraham. Watch it now. So what God does because he wants to do it through Abraham is that he puts it in Abraham's heart to want it. Oh God, help me. I'm gonna take about 30 seconds to help somebody unpack what I just said. Whenever God really wants to do something supernatural in your life, he makes you think you want it. Ask me why. Because he's got to get somebody in perfect agreement with him. So what God does is God gives you the desires of your heart. Tell somebody, you did not come up with all that stuff you saw. Look at somebody tell me, all that stuff you wrote in them tablets that, that call somebody, all that stuff, you did not come up with that on your own. Tell somebody, God, God wanted you to want it. Come on, tell your neighbor, God wanted you to want it. You better, tell somebody else, God wanted you to want it. Why? And then God allowed you to go through enough of life to know you couldn't do it in your own strength. Why? Because God was setting you up for a supernatural move of the Spirit of God. Tell somebody, it was God that wanted you to want it. Why? So that when he finally manifests himself, you will be in perfect agreement. Tell somebody, those are not your original ideas. You wrote down what was on God's mind. Y'all understand that? God is not the afterthought to what you got going on. God is the thought. God is the thought. He's the one who inspired the thought. Y'all got that? And some of y'all right now, some of y'all are just like Joseph, right? Your biggest problem is you get warfare from telling the wrong people. Now you got a devil and jealous soul to be dealing with. Uh, hello, somebody. I said you got a devil and jealous soul. Some people get the some people get jealous at the thought of you doing better than y'all used to do. Y'all hear what I just said? Yes, you ain't even made it yet. And some people already got a problem with you because you think you can in Jesus. Y'all hear what I just told you right now. So watch this now. So, so, so in verse three, in verse three, Genesis fifteen three. All right. Abram said, watch it now, and, 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 and Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Somebody shout, nod. Now let me show you what's happening with many of you right now, okay? You're on the verge of a supernatural move of God in your life. But God has to do something before he can plant the supernatural in your imagination. Somebody ask me, what is that? God has to confront every narrative you have about you that don't agree with his narrative about you. Y'all hear what I just said? Abraham said, somebody in my house is going to become the heir. Somebody shout, not. There's somebody right now. You got a story going on in your soul that don't match God's story. You can understand. And God said, I'm going to make sure that we get to the root of every story you've been telling yourself that doesn't align up with what I have purpose concerning you. You are in violation. Why? God said, because you have adopted a narration that did not come from me. The Bible says that God is doing according to the books that are written. Somebody shout, there are books written about my life. What you are supposed to do to glorify God has already been written down in the annals of heaven before your first birthday. You don't decide that. You agree.
everything you're supposed to do for God's glory. Somebody shout, and it is big. It is. Tell two people, God didn't call you to do nothing small. Hello, come on, tell somebody else, God didn't call you to do nothing small. Tell somebody, if you can do it with your own wallet, it didn't come from God. If it came, if you can do it, it ain't come from God. God ain't call you to do nothing small. Y'all got this, believers? So now watch what he got to do, though. He says, over the, over the course of life, you have developed a narrative about your life that's not in agreement with what I wrote. Ephesians yeah. 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God, watch this, foreordained. Now what that means, tell your neighbor, say neighbor. God made decisions about you and how you would glorify him before your first birthday. That is literally what the Bible says. Now, you know what I know about God watching his track record? It couldn't be small. It couldn't be small. You were taught to think small. You were taught. You're not even supposed to fear the unknown. You tell somebody, you're not supposed to fear the unknown. Why? Because the only thing that's supposed to be dictating your movement is what God is saying. But you know why some of you fear the unknown? Because your mama start talking as soon as God start talking. Ain't nobody in our family ever done that. And that word come right back in your soul. Thank God you know you hear God in one ear and you hear the people that raise you in another ear. Tell somebody, that's where the struggle is. The struggle is that you have a narrative that, that, had, that is attached to your history that keeps warring against the, the narrative of your destiny. Oh, Y'all not hear what I said. I said the narrative of your history is at war with the narrative of your destiny. Y'all hear what I said. And so now you fear the unknown. Tell somebody, I rebuke you fearing the unknown. You're, come on, you're supposed, whenever it feels really uncomfortable, that's your clue that it's God. All right, let me learn you something. Whenever you feel comfortable in a move, that's you operating in your own strength. Right. Tell somebody, you ain't alone. That's, that's why you feel so confident about it, because you ain't alone. But whenever you're like, oh my God, Lord if, Lord, if you don't move, I'm through. Tell somebody, that's the God move. All right, here, one word from God. Come, and Peter's walking on water. One word from God, and he's doing something you ain't supposed to be able to do. I needed three people to look at somebody and tell them, I'm doing stuff I ain't supposed to be able to do. Come on, oh my God. Come on, tell somebody, I'm doing stuff I ain't supposed to be able to. I don't even have a degree for the level of money I made. Tell somebody, I don't have a degree. Tell somebody, I made too much money for the degree that I, I don't even have that degree, and I'm making that. Hello, somebody. I'm doing stuff I ain't supposed to be able to do. Tell somebody, because I acted on one word from God. Elbow two people tell them, lean into the discomfort. Come on, tell somebody, discomfort is your friend. Because it is your clue that you are following God. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? Your flesh ought to be having, it ought to be freaking out. And your spirit ought to, this is the true story. There are times when I'm like, this is dangerous. And the Holy Spirit is like, do it. 
So what God has to do is that God, watch this now, God has to help you to identify the fact that you have a narrative that doesn't agree with God's narrative about your life. My God, help me. Come on, ask somebody, what story are you telling yourself? Now, ask them, does it match God's story? Verse 4. Now, watch God. God ain't going to leave you with a narrative don't agree with your destiny. Watch verse 4. Then the word of the Lord. Somebody shout, the Lord said. The word of the Lord came to him. Watch what God said. It shall not be so. God said, this man shall not be your heir, but a son who comes out your own body will be your heir. Y'all got that? So watch what God said. As long as you carry an inward narrative that's a, that is disagreeable to God's will, then your heart is not yet a suitable condition to birth the supernatural. So what God said, I'm not even going to call you Abraham until we fix the narrative going on in your heart. God said, I got to fix, fix your story and then change your name. Ask somebody, what have you been telling yourself about your future? Y'all understand that? There are so, you know what, man? You know what gets me? What gets me is all, we, we, why are we doing building funds? Why are we doing building funds, Apostle Destiny? Why are we doing building funds with all these inventions in the room? You realize how many millionaires are sitting in this room right now who, who never created what God said? You realize how many millionaires are sitting in this room right now that never acted on the gift of God that's on the inside of them? And, and you ought to listen to me. And it's the true story. It ought to be that just like it was when the glory of God was revealed, was revealed in the building of the tabernacle. We ought to be, listen, don't, tonight we're not having an offering because what y'all gave is way too much. We, we literally haven't finished working with the last offering y'all gave on what we're building. Y'all hold off on that, and we'll tell you when to start giving again. <laughs> and and y'all are going, no, 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 see, please, we need to leave this here because we don't want to take this tithe back home. And so, no, we, we will not listen to you. We're going to show our tithe and offering anyway. You all literally have to push your way up to give your offering. Y'all got that? Tell somebody, don't you dare let your gifts go to the grave. Come on, tell somebody else, don't you dare let your gifts go to the grave. Because you didn't have enough courage to step out on what you know God alone put in your heart. There are so many millions in this room right now, undiscovered. Undiscovered because somebody won't be bold. Because somebody won't go, tell somebody, go all in. Ask somebody, what do you have to lose? Go all in. Go all in on what you know God is telling you. Y'all got that, believers? Yeah. You know, I was telling one of my sons recently, they were talking about a business idea they have, right? And so they're already, they're personally making six figures. So they got this business idea. So I listened to the business idea, and I'm like, that is a, that is a great, that's, that's amazing. And I said, you, you literally would be meeting a need that nobody else is meeting. I said, it's amazing, right? And this, this right here is what bothered them. I said, but you have to leave your job to do it. Like, ah! <laughs> the threat of leaving them six figures. I'm like, I'm like, there's more money in your idea than there is in your job. Oh, Jesus. 
Oh, it was trouble with, with me telling them they'd have to leave their job. No, if you're going to really do this, you got to do it. You got to go all in with it, right? right. So they was troubled, man. His whole spirit was soured by me saying that, right? <laughs> and this is what I said to my son. I said, you know your problem is, right? I said, you are struggling with the illusion that you have job security. You are struggling with the illusion. Tell somebody, it is an illusion. Them people don't care about you. Them people can change one thing today and take your job and, and keep their salary, and they don't care nothing about you. are struggling with the illusion that your job is providing security. And it's not. Tell somebody, there is no job security. Look somebody and tell them, there is no relational security, and there is no social security. Your only security is in knowing that you are hearing and moving with the voice of God. Y'all understand me? Y'all understand that? I started an assisted living facility that's costing me $20,000 a month for which I get no money compensated until this month. So from June to now, I've been paying $20,000 a month with no revenue really coming in from me. Right after that, during the same time, started a micro school. That's costing me another $15,000 a month with no revenue. I still don't have any revenue from the micro school yet, right? Why? God said. Y'all did not hear what I just said. I'm not, talk, I'm not just talking this, right? Whenever you got, I got to pay almost $50,000 a month for something that isn't even bringing revenue yet. By faith. By faith. Y'all understand that? Gotta pay staff and, and buy supplies, right? By faith. Oh, but next year. Now here's the thing. With the things that we've added over this last year for which there's been a stretch, you add another million dollars in revenue. So but now you gotta tell somebody by faith. Oh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Let me share something else with you. When I got down to my last hundred thousand dollars, right? You know the only cut I thought about making? My salary. Only me. None of my staff. I'm like, I'm keeping all my staff. So if I gotta make a cut, it's gonna be me. You know what God, you know what God said? You will not. You will not. And he stepped in and brought all the resources to carry us all the way till the, the program start reimbursing us. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? Y'all didn't know what I just said. He stepped in and gave me all the resources necessary to carry me all the way until they're able to pay me. Y'all understand what I'm telling you. Tell somebody, if it's dangerous, do it. That's where God is. God ain't in your illusion of safety. Hello? How God ain't your job gonna be your comfort? How is God and the Holy Ghost gonna be your comfort? Tell me, you can't have two confidence. He said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And whenever you let your job become your comforter and your source of security, you better realize that God ain't real happy about that. That makes sense to you? All right, let me wrap this up. I'm almost done. Verse 5. Okay? Because remember, as long as you carry an inward narrative that is disagreeable to the will of God, your heart is not suitable condition to birth the supernatural. Verse 5. God took him outside. Somebody shout, this is where your imagination is needed. Now remember, Abraham is known as the father of what? 
he's the father of many nations, but he's known as the father of faith, right? Think about this. He's the father of faith because he believed that it is as God said it is. Y'all got that? But when God wants Abraham to connect to him at the level of faith, he engaged his imagination. Watch it. Look at verse 5. He took him outside. God took Abram outside. He said, look up at the sky and count the stars. He said, if you can count them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. What is he engaging? This man's imagination. Why? Because he was too old to do what God just showed him. So what is God repairing? Your imagination. God is repairing your imagination. And some of you, life has done a number on you. And because of life and the variables of life that have not gone, some of you right now, disappointment has impaired your imagination. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Disappointment has impaired your imagination. And God wants you to recover your imagination tonight. So God said, come outside, look up at the sky, and count. If you can count them all, that's how many kids you're going to have. Y'all got that? Somebody shout scale. God has to always expose you to something on the scale of what he's calling you to. Y'all got that? So that you will be able to recognize these moments. This is why some of you, write this down, need to get away from your family and your familiar. Why? Because you'll never find anything on the scale you're called to around them. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? So I'm not saying that you're better than them. Look, somebody tell me, I'm not better than them. I'm just bigger than them. Y'all didn't hear what I just said to you right there. God said to Abraham, get away from your kinfolk. Why? Because every limitation in your soul came from them. I'm at a point right now, listen to me, this is a true story, okay? I do better around multi-millionaire businessmen than I do around church people. Ask me why. Scale. scale. Because I'm dealing with people that's supposed to believe God, but are complaining about things that you got command of. But when I get around business people, they got the same scale I'm thinking of. And why should I have to go outside of the body of Christ to find the scale that God wants me to think on? Y'all got that? Religion has done a number on your mind. And there are many of us right now, God has to repair your imagination to get you up to par with where he's working to bring you in life. Tell somebody, you got to get around some new people. Come on, tell somebody else, you got to go around some new people. That makes sense? People that talk about ideas. People that talk about solutions. People that are moving on opportunities. People that are spotting trends and investing in them. Y'all hear? Somebody shout, scale matters. So there's some of you right now, why why is it now? You're frustrated because you want to keep your friends and your destiny, and you can't keep both. All right, all right. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying their minds are not on a scale 
that your destiny is on. And, and you got to get comfortable disappointing people. Hello? Tell somebody, if you don't get comfortable disappointing people, you will forfeit your destiny. Oh, you acting funny now that you got money. Acting funny? What? You still ain't paying my money back. I loaned you. You the one acting funny. <laughs> All right, I'm almost done. Here's the last verse. Look at verse 6. And Abraham, here it is. Here it is. Abram believed the Lord. My God, help me. And he, the Lord, credited to him as righteousness. Somebody shout, my job is to believe God. Now watch this. When you believe God, he considers you right for his purpose. My God, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Believing God is what makes you right for his purpose. Y'all got that? That's what puts you in a posture where God says, okay, now you're right for this. Now you're ready for this. Now you can move into this. Y'all got that? So there are three things I want you to close with. I want you to sum up with, and that is this. These are threefold. These are, this is the threefold chord of manifesting the big in your life that God has purpose. First thing, and we already talked about it, is that you've got to make sure that you get your imagination back intact. Somebody shout, Lord, heal my imagination. Why? Because your imagination is a soulless production center. In order for the Spirit of God to birth anything in the natural realm, he has got to get somebody who imagined that it could be and believe him at the level he's revealing himself. Oh, come on, somebody. Why is imagination so important? Because imagination comes before animation. You don't do anything unless you imagine it first. And faith without works is, but you don't do anything unless you imagine it first. Anybody ever walked up and slapped a heifer? You thought about walking up and slapping a heifer, right? You imagine. You did nothing you do without imagining it first. You said, oh, when I see them, I'm going, right? And then when you saw them, you did exactly what you imagined. On Somebody shout, Lord, heal my imagination. Shout it again. Lord, heal my imagination. Now, the second thing that's important to the equation is faith. Now, watch this now. Faith is simply agreeing with God's definition of things. Somebody shout, it is exactly like God said. That's what faith is, right? It's agreeing with God's definition. Now, you know what happens when you agree with God's definition of things? It gets seeded in your imagination. That's when the seed gets planted. Y'all got that? It gets seeded into your imagination when you agree in faith. Now, here's the third key. Wave or not. Write that down. Wave or not. What do you mean by that? Once you get into this posture, you have to refuse to be deterred in your expectation. So those are the three things. In your imagination. Say, God, heal my imagination. Right? Imagination, faith, and wavering not. Those are three keys for moving in the posture for God to manifest his will and intention in your life. Father, we thank you tonight that you are causing us to walk big in this season. We thank you that you are taking off every limitation that has been imposed upon our hearts and on our mind from our upbringing, from our associations, 
from our disappointment. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are several of you on the sound of my voice that what has stolen your imagination is your disappointments. And right now, as you stand in the presence of the Lord, oh my God, as you stand in the presence of the Lord, and as you just take a moment to let go, relinquish your right to hold on to disappointment. Say, I'm letting go. Come on, I'm letting go. As you begin to let go of every disappointment, oh my God, there's a divine recalibration that's happening in your soul. As you begin to relinquish any right to feel as if you have been robbed, oh my God, as if you have been cheated. There are some of you, listen to me, there are some of you that are still stuck at what someone did or did not do that was supposed to. You got to let that go. That stands in the way. That resists and it impedes God's will in your life. Because what you are supposing is that the will of man is greater than the counsel of God. Let it go. Let it go. And even right now in the name of